0: Welcome to Apostolic Perspectives, where the faith is raw, the exploits are radical, and the conversation is real. Prepare your life to be activated in the supernatural and your heart to be inspired to love, as your host, Mike Brewer, shares stories from around the world. Enjoy today's episode, and make sure to connect with us on all social media platforms. Hello and welcome. I'm Mike Brewer. I'm your host. Guys, I'm very excited to take us into part three Of the school of apostleship. Now, of course, technically, this is not a school, it's a podcast. Schools don't make apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or teachers, but they can certainly mature them. But I'm simply wanting to bring you some insights, I want to bring you some wisdom of having walked in a call of God for quite a few years now. I want to do a quick review with you. If you've not listened to the earlier parts of these podcasts, make sure that you go back because I'm just laying a foundation of principles in your life that'll help you. You don't have to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, which we refer to as a five-fold ministry, in order for these to help you. Simply walking as a child of God, these are foundational principles that will help you. But these are geared towards those who have a sense of call of God upon their life to help you discern what does it look like to walk as a man or woman that is called of God um, especially if you are called into the fivefold ministry. Ephesians chapter 4 is one of the foundational verses for this teaching, and it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And then it tells us why he gave those. So I want you to understand that Christ gave these gifts to the church. So what I'm talking about are the post ascension fivefold ministry gifts. After Christ ascended, He gave these gifts back to the church. I'm not talking about the uh, the apostles of the Lamb those those that walked with Jesus prior to His death, burial, and resurrection. Although we glean from them, but I'm talking about the post ascension gifts here: the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher those that are simply referred to in Ephesians chapter 4. And it says the reason he gave these gifts to the church in verse 12 is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So the fivefold leadership giftings here, or servant giftings, however you want to refer to these, grace gifts, um, the, the function That these gifts have in the body of Christ are to equip the people of God, that the people of God may do the work of the ministry. The ministry belongs to the saints of God. The equipping of the saints of God belongs to those that I just referred to, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. So in in part one, uh, I begin to speak to you that not everyone is called as an apostle. Not everyone is called as a pastor, an evangelist, a teacher, a prophet. We should know that. That should be foundational. Not everyone has this office or this grace upon their life. But those that do they will have a sphere of authority. They will have a metron, if you will. That's the Greek word for sphere of authority. That means that God has not given us unlimited authority to do whatever we want, to do wherever we want. He gives us a specific realm in which we operate. And I begin to define that um, in part one of this podcast, School of Apostleship. In part two, the last part, I talked about being called of God. I talked about the experience of being called of God. It, it's more than just a, a low-level conviction, although that can be a truth. It may start there, but there is an encounter. There is a moment in time to where God reveals to you that He has called you. There's a moment in time when that grace is released in your life. Now, i, I um, there, there is, we could say there's a moment in time where the grace is released, or we could say there's a moment in time to where we come to the understanding we've received the grace. I'm not going to get into um, that any further, but I go into that in part two, captivated by His voice, the voice of God that calls you, that reveals the grace on your life, that activates the grace on your life. There was a moment in time nearly 25 years ago when God gripped me with His voice. His voice spoke to me, and it literally from that moment changed the direction that my life was going so but today I want to talk to you about not letting your cousins name your ministry don't let your cousins name your baby I know that's a funny title but I want you to hang in there with me as I walk through this and I'm not I'm not I've not designed these podcasts to give you a, a a whole lot of different thoughts, but in 20 minutes or so, I want to take you into a thought, if you will. So this time today, we're going to go into Matthew chapter one, and we're going to look about John the Baptist, and I'm going to read the scripture, and I'm just simply going to talk to you about it, and I believe it's going to greatly encourage you, um, So starting in verse 5, it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah. His wife was also a descendant of Aaron. Verse 6, Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and degrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. In verse 8, once when Zachariah's division came on duty, he was serving as a priest of God. He was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. In verse 11, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right hand of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth For the Lord. So as I read through these scriptures, I'm going to stop and I'm just going to give you some of my thoughts. Here, God is speaking things concerning John the Baptist's life to his father. He is bringing forth a revelation. Now, I want you to put yourself in Zechariah. Zechariah had done this probably untold number of times. He had gone in, he had burned the incense. And and through this ritual, through this this time, through through doing this time and time and time again, through his faithfulness, all of a sudden the time was now, and the angel stood beside the altar and called out to him, told him, "Don't be afraid, your prayer has been heard." Now, now, Zachariah, a man like you and I, he's probably thinking what prayer? I mean, he's probably prayed a lot of prayers. He may not have prayed for his wife to conceive in quite a while, or he may have just prayed it that morning. Who knows? But what I'm trying to say is there is an appointed time. Sometimes you simply walk in the faithfulness of God day in, and day out. You pray day in and day out. You are giving your life over to the will of God continually, day after day, week after week, month after month. But then all of a sudden, at an appointed time in destiny, an angel from God stands in front of you, or God intervenes in your life, and He begins to activate a whole new season of your life that you may have given up on. So as I I talk through this, Especially those of you that have callings. If you have a call from God to a five-fold ministry leadership position, God has probably shown you many things concerning your life. There are promises that He has given over to you. And guys, it's going to take faith to walk in your calling. Without faith, you're not going to make it. You must grow in your faith. You must mature in your faith. But let's go on here because I've got some real points I want to get to. In verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well alone in years. And the angel said to him, Probably not in a nice tone, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you to tell you the good news. And now you will be silent not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at the appointed time. I want to give you some points here. One of the greatest things that many can do is be silent for a season. Literally be silent for a season. A lot of people they their lack of faith is put on display through many words. They're they're tempting we're often attempting to fulfill their destiny by displaying their own strengths, their own abilities. Guys, it's such a trap for for young ministers to come in and God, they have a powerful encounter of God and they want to get up off the floor if the encounter puts them on the floor and step directly into leading the body of Christ. And that's just not how it works. They may have some things to share. That grace is going to become on display. But many, many times there is an appointed season of silence in your life. Silence can be your best friend. Silence can keep you from great pain. Silence can keep you from prematurely in your own strength trying to walk out these promotions of the Lord. So let the burden of promotion rest in the hands of the Lord. So many times through prophetic insights, but out of timing, I've attempted to go ahead of God. I have seen something, I have felt something, I've had a revelation. And God was in the revelation. But when I began to develop the application and the timing of that revelation, I was ahead of the Lord in that. Because in my zealous nature, I saw something that was accurate, but I wanted to step into it in the immediate. And I did not have the patience of God. I did not have the wisdom of God. I often didn't have the counsel of God. Hebrews chapter 6 gives us some real revelation concerning faith and patience. It says, we do not want, Hebrews 6, 12, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those, look at this, who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Guys, the promised inheritance, if you receive that before you have developed faith and and patience you're not ready for it you are not ready for it it's through pace, it's through faith it's through patience that these are the things that in imp- that prepare you to receive that which has been promised to you. Many of you guys that are listening to me have a great destiny and a great will of God for your life. You're going to lead many, many people. Many of you are going to plant churches. You're going to plant businesses. You're going into government and academia. Many of you have those promises. Legitimate promises promises of God, and many people haven't recognized those on your life, and you are in this place of silence, but you're so attempted to step out before the timing. Let God work faith in you. Let God work patience in you. Verse 21, it says, "...meanwhile the people, while waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he has stayed so long in the temple, when he came out, he could not speak to them." And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. There was grace in his silence. His heart was wanting to communicate this experience to them. But the grace of God was manifested in his inability to speak. Guys, it is a grace to be in a season of silence. If you are if you're in a season of silence and you are attempting to speak guys that's that's contrary to the will of god but if you're in a season of speaking and you remain silent that also is contrary to the will of god but you will you will enter both of those seasons through faith and through Patience. Let God shift the seasons and the times in your life. Let the burden of promotion rest upon the hand of the Lord, not upon your hand, not upon your ability. In verse 23, when his time of service was complete, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, He has shown His favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Look at that season of seclusion. Five months of seclusion so it is not wrong it is not an error to be in seclusion for a season now that doesn't mean you are out of fellowship that doesn't mean that you are you're not interacting with people it can do that it can mean that for some people and for some seasons but it is not an isolation it is not um if you can hear that sorry my computer was going off it is not an isolation from the body of christ In verse 57, we're dropping down quite a few verses here because I want to get you to the main point of today's podcast. In verse 57, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they shared in her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. And then they made signs to the father to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote his name is John. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. and Throughout the hill country of Judea, they were talking about these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand is with him. I want you to look at several things throughout this past passage. When you're called of God, many well-meaning people will want to help you. Your relatives will come out, people from the church. When, you, when, when the grace of God begins to manifest on your life, people will want to help you. People will want to give you instructions. People will want to give you wisdom. And often these people are well-meaning. Hear what I'm trying to say here. Well-meaning people will want to help you in your calling. A friend may want to give you an opportunity to speak at their church. Another friend may be giving you advice on establishing your ministry. Another friend may be giving you advice on something else. Some will want to name your baby. Hear what I'm saying. They will want to name your baby. Um, Someone from a denomination may say, well, you need to start this path or you need to start that. Guys, well-meaning people, I'm not saying they're right. I'm not saying they're wrong. But the wrong thing to do is just to receive all of that advice. You need to have... Relationships with fathers and with mothers, and people that have walked this journey that will not be eager to set you on a platform. They're not going to be eager to launch you out into a ministry. They're not going to be eager to send you to this school or to that school. But they will be eager to help you seek the face of God. They will be eager to help you uh, live unto Him as you die unto yourself. They will help you live a life that is is consecrated unto the Lord. They're going to help you in those things. They may say, hey, this school is, is, is operating in this, and this one's in, in this, and, and, and they're going to help you uh, maybe plot a course, but it will be with the voice of the Lord. You cannot let well-meaning people name your baby, name your ministry, or name the grace that is upon your life, because that needs to, to rest When I'm talking about naming the grace, I'm talking about uh, calling or prophesying you into a five-fold ministry or attempting to do so. That needs to be in the hands of the presbytery, the elders, the elders that have walked in this thing. Those are the ones that need to prophesy those things to help you discover that grace upon your life. That's not for the masses. That's for the few. That's not for the broader body of Christ to speak in and to affirm that in your life. That's for those that are walking with you because you do not want to attempt to walk in an office or in a ministry and there not be a grace for that. That will ultimately end up in destruction. So guys, many people will come out, especially once they start to receive of a grace. They may not have the discernment to understand, well, this is an apostolic grace or a prophetic grace or a pastoral grace. They may not have that discernment. They may just recognize there is an ability upon your life now that was not upon your life previously. And through their heart to help, but their immaturity in these things, they'll begin to name your baby. They'll begin to describe for you. And if you let those words come into your heart, they're going to begin to box you in to a certain thing. We all know that names often carry destinies. They carry purposes. They carry insights into a person or their personality. And when something is is just being born. It's much easier to manipulate it with human understanding. And if they can get human understanding in at the foundation and you begin to build on human understanding but not on the power and the grace of God, it may be years later that thing begins to collapse. It may grow up really quick but then begin to come to an end. They wanted to call Elizabeth and Zachariah's new baby, they wanted to call him Zachariah, and that was based upon the past. That was based upon a godly tradition, but it wasn't time for that tradition to continue. There was a new thing that was being born. They wanted to call him Zechariah. They were comfortable with Zechariah's name. They were comfortable with Zachariah's ministry. They were comfortable with the traditions of the past, but they did not have the insight into the prophetic destiny of of this new thing that was born. You see, John was born of the will of God. John was born to be that forerunner of Christ. They did not have that discernment. But Zechariah, by revelation, declared his name is John. Listen to me, friends. In the early days, you may not even see the fullness of your ministry. You may not even... Understand the fullness of the call that is upon your life. And in the early days where your faith is just beginning to grow, your faith is just beginning to flourish, but it's not yet matured, even your own mouth will try to define something in its infancy, not in its fullness. So I encourage you, let faith and patience have its work in your life in your ministry, in your character, in your giftings, in your callings. Let these things be discovered through your obedience and through your humility. Don't lock yourself into something that is way too early to define. One thing that happens to me often as I sit with leaders, they'll come in and they'll say, Mike, I feel called to this. I feel called to that. And they often speak in a very niche circumstance. And what I'm trying to discern by revelation of the Lord is, one, is there a ministry grace upon their life? Is there the the calling of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher? Is that grace upon their life? I'm not concerned about this niche thing that they currently feel comfortable in. Because I'm not saying there's not specialties. Absolutely, there's specialties. We have a specialty of deliverance. It's a grace that rests upon our house here at the well of Miraville. And and people will often have those specialties. And then they will begin to define their ministry by that specialty. And I'm not sure that is the wisdom of God. Because specialties uh, operate in seasons, but if the season shifts and then they have described everything about themselves in that specialty, they have so reduced the grace of God that is upon their life for equipping down to one specialty. So as um, if you have the grace to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, Yes, grow in a specialty, but don't let that specialty define your life. Don't lock yourself into something too early before you have had the opportunity to mature. Possibly in a later podcast, I will talk about the different expressions of an apostle or an apostolic ministry. And one of those expressions is that of a pioneer and a trailblazer. In the early days, I thought something was wrong with me because I would be very passionate about it for two to three years, and and then I would move on. I'd be very passionately about something else. Well, then I began to understand the grace to pioneer, birth, pioneer to tr- to blaze new trails. When I understood that it released me from guilt, and then I was able to build correctly. So I know that I will I will last in an area two to four years. So as soon as I go into it, I am already looking and praying, who is going to receive this? I'm watching for the grace upon someone's life that's going to go further than the pioneering, trailblazing phase of a thing. So we'll go into that a little bit earlier. But right now, I'm encouraging you, if, if you were young in this thing, do not try to define what it's going to look like in its fullness. Don't try to define your entire life when you're 25 or 30 years old. You can define the season that you are walking in. Oftentimes, I will say something and I'll say, as I see it right now, I'll use that phrase because I understand in a year, in two years of further growth, further insight, and further maturity, I may see a thing differently in that day than I do this day. So make sure that you give yourself room to change. Give yourself room to relaunch, to reevaluate, to revise, to course correct or transition into a new thing. Well, God bless you guys. Don't let your cousins name you your babies. Thank you for listening to Apostolic Perspectives with your host, Mike Brewer. We hope that you are blessed by listening, and we encourage you to check us out on social media at facebook.com slash Perspectives. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to keep up with all of the latest episodes.